Do you hate your job? Of course you do. So do Liz and Noah. Now it's time to join their conversation so you can figure out how to quit your soul-crushing job. Well, welcome to another episode of When Can I Quit My Job? I'm joined as always by my lovely wife, Liz. How you doing? Yes, you are. Yes. I'm great. <laughs> Good. And um, how are you feeling this morning? Good. Yeah. I mean, so we normally record these on weekends now. So usually yeah. when you ask me that, it's mm-hmm. pretty good because I like weekends. Me too. Yeah, they're great. Me too. I yeah, you have them back now. I do. I do. I like my weekdays a lot better now too. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But no, I'm <laughs> great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Um, so I don't even know if you, you probably don't pay attention. You probably never paid attention to this, but have you, so have you heard anything about the stock market recently? No, I have not. So it took an historic downturn recently, uh, like at least in a one day. It's not like really? the all time. Yeah. It's not like the all time worst for a single day, but it's like the second or third worst performance in a single day. It went down like over 3%. Like last week? Yeah. Last week, I think on like Wednesday or Thursday or something like that. And so I kind of want to give our perspective on it. This isn't. And I told you so, but <laughs> uh, I don't want to look at it that way. But it's it's kind of like how it feels to be us during okay. a financial downturn. So, oh, not financial. You know what I mean? The stock, the stock market downturn. Well, okay. So I have a quick follow up. Has yeah. it just maintained that lower, or did it come back up after that? It dip? went down a lot, and it recovered almost all of it the next day, and then it went down way more than the first time it went down. So it went down like 800 points in a day and just frame of reference. Well, like I said, it's a little over 3% or something like that. Um, so I haven't looked in the last couple of days because, well, mainly because it doesn't affect me anymore. Um, it does so, kind of, but not really. So, okay. All right. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a financial episode. Yeah. And so I will say, so if the stock market crashes, of course, there will be will feel some effects of it. You know, if, if the stock market crashes, it'll affect the, um, it'll affect employment. It'll affect all these things that could tangentially, uh, affect us as well. So, um, we've talked about where our assets are and things like that. So yeah, it's not to say that we won't feel some effects from it. Of course, you know, it affects the broad economy and the broad economy affects us. You know, we could lose a sale because, Someone thought they had all this money in their retirement, and now they're trying to pinch pennies or something like that. So it can affect us. Right. So, and as a reminder, you're saying we do not have stock. Right. Exactly. Yeah, we don't have 401k or IRAs any longer. We don't have assets in the market, stocks or bonds at this point. Right. So So that's why we're tangentially affected. Right. But I'm sure our uh, dividend-paying whole life insurance company has invested some of its assets in stocks. So it could affect our dividends that we get every year. So, you know, things like that, they do affect us. So I'm going to go a little nerdy at the beginning and talk a little bit about the stock market, what I know. I'm not an expert, but I would think I have maybe a firmer grasp on it than your average Joe walking down the street, just because I've listened to a lot of podcasts talking about it. And so starting in like 2008, when the real estate bubble crashed and caused the... Great Recession, the 
Barack Obama administration's cure, quote unquote, for it was what's called quantitative easing, which basically means printing and spending a lot of money. And what the Federal Reserve did at that time was they had, so these are numbers off the top of my head. I didn't research, I didn't write this down, but I think these are pretty close to what they really are. Um, They had, I believe they had about $500 billion in assets in the market which basically means that's $500 billion worth of like stocks and bonds and treasury bills that would otherwise have not been bought, which artificially inflates the market. And they changed their policy at that point to start buying a whole shitload more as a part of the quantitative easing with, um, with no end in sight. And they eventually built up their holdings within mostly U.S. treasury bills, but which also affects um, stocks and bonds in the entire market. Uh, they built it from what at that point was $500 billion to about $4 trillion. And they have just now started, basically their bonds mature. And this whole time they've been taking money from the mature bonds and buying more bonds and keeping it at that level or increasing it until a few months ago, where now they're, they're not selling anything, but when their bonds mature, they're not buying anything new, which basically means they're slowly unwinding their assets that are in the market that have artificially inflated it. So once they're entirely out, if that were to ever happen, it probably won't. But the closer we get to that, the more we're going to see what the actual market really is. And so that's probably wrapped up in what's happening right now. I'm not saying it's the cause of it or anything like that. But so as that continues to happen, I think the market's going to get more and more volatile. And um, to me, it's just, I mean, under Donald Trump, it not not I'm not saying because of Donald Trump, but while Donald Trump was in office, it kept reaching record high levels at the market like time and time again. And every time we got out was in the middle of one of those like all time record, all time record. And so we got out right at those times because that's a perfect time to sell. I mean, that's when everybody's like, oh, the market's doing so good. I should buy it because people are stupid. Um not calling anybody who's listening to this stupid, that's what you did. That's just what most people do. And then when the stock market crashes, people panic and sell. So they buy high and sell low, uh, which is the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. Um, so, and this isn't me telling you to do what we did. This is just what we did and how we feel about it. So yeah, when I took out my TSP, my thrift savings plan, when I cashed that out after I quit the post office and we had to pay all those taxes for taking it out because, you know, government's wants to tax you again anytime they can. And when I had to pay the penalties to take those out, in my own mind, I'm like, well, I'm probably still getting more than these are actually worth. You know, so we took about, it was like $15,000. We ended up getting about $12,000 out. So uh, what's the quick math on that? For like 20, 20%, is that right? Something like that. But I thought the market was inflated by more than 20%. And it could go down by 50% at any point this year. Like, And I wouldn't be surprised if the powers that be pulled every lever they could to try to make that happen to affect you know, the election. But anyway, so where I'm going with that is that I think when we got out of the market was great. And I think that also affects how I feel about things. And I also think that being out of the market, my money's in a lot safer places now. So on that little nerd rant there, do you have any... Thing to say about any of that or 
Any comments or questions? No, no. I was just thinking this is the part where Liz is quiet. Because <laughs> um, yeah. I could not have just rattled that off like you just did. So. so do you find that stuff interesting at least? Yeah, I mean, yeah, to a point. And I, I agree with what you were saying. Like, I feel happy with where we are and why, why we did what we did and when we did it. Yeah. So one of the great things about where we put our money now is peace of mind. So like I only I don't even know how I heard about the stock market just in passing somehow because I don't have to pay attention to it anymore because all our accounts are going up. I mean, I'm not saying they will in perpetuity forever. And but I mean, our as long as our mutual company doesn't go out of business, that is guaranteed to make money. No matter what, like our, like I said, our dividends could be affected at the end of the year, mm-hmm. but it's still earning that 4% interest guaranteed, which is awesome, no matter what the stock market does. And then um, I was just looking up numbers for, I've, I've talked a couple of times about some of the investments that we've done outside of that, which were the main two being a real estate investment trust in a company called Fundrise. And then a peer-to-peer lending site called Prosper. And I was just looking that up. And um, yeah, and those continue to earn money too. Um, I think we last month we had maybe four contracts that people were, had late payments on. So we've got $6,760 in Prosper right now. And which translates to our interest payments last month were almost $100, $95.78. And the total cash flow, which is the principal plus interest combined, was three thirty nine sixty six. Which at any point we can stop. We basically reinvest every penny we get from there. Right. Yeah. But at any point we can stop doing that, and just we could have that three hundred and thirty nine dollar cash flow. It would diminish over time, of course, because contracts would end. But I mean, most of the contracts are three or five years, so we could have you know get paid not only the six hundred. Or $6,700, but also interest on top of that for the next three to five years. Hey guys, I want to take a quick second to play a clip of our newest Patreon bonus content. The full-length audio of this is about one minute long, and it is not bleeped on our Patreon page. All you have to do is become a $5 a month patron, uh, and you can listen to this uncensored. Man, f*** you, cock-sucking faggot motherfuckers. Why don't you motherfuckers eat shit and fucking die? How about that? Like I said, it's just a small clip. If you'd like to hear the part about finding us and feeding us to crocodiles, go over to Patreon. Now back to the show. But yeah, so that's continued to perform well. Um, and we started that March of uh, 2017. And I started just by putting 50 bucks a month in there. And then once we started getting some um, some interest payments and stuff, then it was like you know $51 and then $53 and then $58. And then we sold our house and I put... a chunk of money in there and stuff like that and it's just kind of slowly built over time and now i don't have to put any extra money in there because it's earning almost a hundred dollars a month it's just getting reinvested do you actively go back and reinvest that yeah i have to i wait for money to accumulate in there and i have been doing waiting till it breaks a hundred dollars and then just investing a hundred dollars at a time i might start doing two hundred dollars um just because right now i'm doing a hundred dollars three times a month and every third month I'll do it four times or something like that so yeah I just I go in there and check on it every once in a while and when there's enough accumulated money in there I'll pick another loan and I diversify between um, good credit 
borrowers and bad credit borrowers, um, which has gotten me an average of 14.5% interest so far, which is amazing. Yeah, Yeah. and it was funny um, because I had totally forgotten about these until you brought this up. Yeah. Um, And are these on our mint? They are. Do you not look at that as often I don't look at mint very often, but you said they are. (laughs) No, no. I I mean, I don't know. Maybe some days, but. Yeah. No. um, Yeah, they're on there. They're okay. So, Mm -hmm. so I could see them at any point, Mm -hmm. but when you say you go on and see how much money's in there, this is all virtual and it never hits our bank. Like you're saying, it's like its own self-contained thing in the website where we got a prosper account. It shows our investments and it has like available money in there, which if I want, I can transfer it to our bank or I can reinvest it and transferring to your bank has tax implications. I think reinvesting does not. Gotcha. So once we start taking money out, then we'll be taxed on the money we've earned, but not the money we've put in there because we're already taxed on the money we put in there. Our generous government. So, (laughs) yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, So it's really user friendly and easy. Oh yeah. It's kind of fun. Really. I, I just, so my portfolio, I mean, they, they show you like a little image of like a typical portfolio and i kind of just copied that and it's so it's like i have uh 33 in the c class and it ranges from double a to hr which means high risk so it's double a a b c d e f and hr and i don't have any double a's because they earn really low interest and i don't have any high risk because they're really high risk of default so i go from a to uh e and then a being the lowest interest and e being the highest risk so I have the least of those and see I have the most of because it's um, average risk, average return. And you can get and each one of those has its own range within it. So C, for instance, will be can go up to like just over 20 percent interest or something like that. And all the way down to maybe like 15 percent or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then depending on a range of factors and. So it's kind of fun, actually, to go in there because you can see what they're taking the loan for. It's like it's usually either debt consolidation or home improvement or sometimes there's other, um, or, you know, and there's a couple other things you can do with it. But it's usually one of those two things. And then it tells you how much they want to borrow and it tells you how many years the payment. It's either three or five year loan. And then you click on it and then you see that person's financial information. It gives you their I think I already maybe mentioned this in another episode. But anyway, credit score tells you how many credit cards they have, how many late payments they've had in the last seven years, their job, their salary, how long they've had their job, you know, a whole host of things to help you make your decision. And so, yeah, you know, a few times a month I'll go in there and do that, and it's just kind of fun. And then, like I said, my breakdown is one-third of them are in the C class, and then one-third above and one-third below, which basically breaks down to about 23% in the the B and D class, and then 10% in the A and F class. That's how I broke mine okay. down anyway. Yeah, it does sound a lot more fun than, I mean, so it's more active than the 401k. Oh, like, yeah. Because people don't touch that, but it sounds. Right, because you're not allowed to. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> Unless you so, do a yeah. self-directed but IRA. It, it makes, it just, yeah, it seems, um, yeah, like you have more control over it but it's something that you can understand and grasp pretty right. easily whereas like if someone was like oh yeah you can sign up for your 401k and you're in charge of it right they're like nope 
<laughs> yeah. I yeah, don't right. know even what that is, yeah. really. Yeah, exactly. So, and then the other main area we have investments um, is the real estate investment trust, which basically is like a portfolio of real estate. And then depending on how much you put in, you basically own a portion of all those buildings. Um, they can be anywhere from apartment buildings to like Dollar Generals or big commercial complexes, things like that. Um, and I've mentioned before on here, I chose there's three um, packages you can buy. There's, and I can't even remember the third one right now, but the there's one that's basically appreciation based, which um, they show as gaining the most value over a long period of time. Um, but that's based on appreciation, which in my own opinion, the real estate is a little higher than it should be right now, which means banking on appreciation is a bad move, in my opinion. Um, I actually chose the one that they showed to earn the least amount of money over time. It's called cash flow. And it's based off of um, your the way you're going to make money on that one is not the flipping of a building, buying it at one price and selling it at another. It's basically the the value of the building isn't as important as important when you're doing a cash flow model because the earnings you're going to make off of it are based off of basically what you're going to charge for rent kind of thing. So if the value of a building goes up or down, it doesn't affect that as much, which is why I chose that because I think for the timing of when we got into this, I think that real estate's overpriced. So counting on the buildings being worth more in the future, I think is a bad strategic move in my own estimation for how much I know. But um, so anyway, we, we, when we sold our house, we put basically I think $6,000 into the Fundrise and we put, I think we put 5,500 into Prosper. And so Fundrise, that $6,000 in a year and whatever since April, so four months, I guess, uh, has earned $680, basically. So a little more than 10%. Per it's, it's like 7.5% interest, I think, compounding. Uh, the dividends it pays you, if they vary. So the stock market crashes or the real estate goes down again. Um, that'll affect our dividends and how much percent gains we're getting and things like that. But I don't think we lose money unless they go out of business or, I mean, I don't think there's a way to lose money unless Fundrise goes out of business. So to change subjects a little bit. Well, so I'm not in the market right now, but it doesn't mean I'll never get back in. I just think it's way inflated right now and the numbers are it's funny money, but <laughs> so when it like crashes big time, you yeah. consider it when I believe it's undervalued for what it is. But the way I would get in, what I was going to change the subject about was um, I read this book by Tony Robbins. Uh, hang on. Oh, yeah, it's called Money Master the Game and you can find it on Audible. If you haven't already signed up for Audible, you can get a free book on there for a free 30 day trial. But uh, they don't sponsor us. I'm just telling you because I did it. But, um, but he goes over all these lesser known investment strategies. And he talks to like Ray Dalio, if you know who that is. He's one of the 
he's a multi-billionaire, like just one of the best investors in the world and things like that. And they really, they dance all around IBC. He never says IBC, he never says infinite banking concept, but he talks to some very wealthy people who use, I, I don't, I'm not certain it's life insurance. I, th- I think he talks about life insurance in there and um, he talks about people who use s- certain accounts that are set up in a similar way, just like the IBC process. But they never say IBC. They never exactly talk about ABC. But there's a lot of dancing around it. And I'm just like, oh, is that what he's going to talk about? Because it seems like he's building up to it. But he doesn't. But but if I were going to get back into the market, I would probably follow the advice that I got from that book, which um, basically you can get into indexed annuities, which... Um, are guaranteed to never lose money and can also participate in some of the uh, gains of the stock market. So basically it can, so like you can have it so you'll, it'll never go down no matter what contractually obligated. But even, I mean, so if your money's just staying the same, you're losing, you don't, you don't want that. That's not the best case scenario, but it's better than the stock market. And then, so indexed just means um, it takes the top, you know, 50 or 500 or however many companies and it does an average of those instead of picking and choosing. Um, and then annuity means it pays you yearly, but you can also choose to reinvest. Uh, so you can do, so you can set up annuity, an annuity to just everything you earn reinvests automatically until a certain age, or you can, um, you know, and then maybe at 55, you start taking out its earnings or you can take out more than its earnings. But, but the way, it works as, yeah, so you could say, like, you participate in 100% of the stock market earnings this year if it goes up, up to, let's say, 6% or something like that. So you won't get the full benefit of the stock market, but you don't take on any of the risk of the stock market either. So I would do something like that if I was to get back into the market. Yeah. So I don't know if we okay. ever talked about that kind of no. thing. No. no? I trust you. Yeah. Well, thanks. (laughs) Hey, guys. I just want to take a quick second and share with you a new project I just put together. This is a compilation of angry voicemails set to some epic music. I think you'll enjoy the sample. I think you'll enjoy the full thing even more. Yeah, I received some sort of a purchase agreement. You sent us an offer for $450? You guys send me a fucking thing about my property. Looks like a scam. We will sell this land when we are good and ready to sell this land. So I'm pretty proud of this project. At the time, I told Liz it was the greatest thing I've ever done. You'll definitely want to hear the full version on our Patreon page. Go check it out. Now back to the show. So yeah, if in you know if the stock market goes down by like 75 percent or something, then there's a great chance I might just hop back in, you know. Sure. I'd have to check out my options at that point. But I highly suggest that book if I think there's ways to transfer retirement funds and things like that into those. But personally, I wouldn't do that until I had my IBC set up because that's first and foremost, that's that's like our our foundation for our all of our mm-hmm. financial doings. <laughs> yeah. 
Do you remember when we did have a lot of money invested in the stock market and it going up and down and how you felt about that kind of stuff? Well, not that I'm as financially literate as you are. Um, I'm more literate now than I was back then. And back then, I remember basically the advice being ignore it the whole time until you're ready to retire that that's mm-hmm. going to happen. I'm pretty sure that's what our financial advisor said. Yeah. It was like, it's going to go up. It's going to go down. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. Um, yeah. and he was just like, and when it goes down, you know, that's when you'll need each other and you're just <laughs> not going to want, you know, to don't do anything though. Yeah. It was really just like, Oh, okay. So I can just ignore it. Fine. I'm can be Kinda, good at that. Yeah. So that's kind of what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it was going up and down, which I, honestly, I don't even remember watching it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, oh yeah, that's what it does. Yeah. Which is probably what a lot of people do. If we were in the market and it's just playing the stuff, I mean, we at least learned at the very least what you should be doing. If you're in, if you have a 401k or an IRA and you're just doing that and you're not convinced to do anything else because you you just know, Hey, look, you know, it goes up and down, but it tends to go up over time. And that's where I'm going to get my best returns. If nothing we've said has, if everything we've said has fallen on deaf ears, I would at least when the stock market goes way down, I would contribute more. And when the stock market goes way up, not feel as obligated to contribute as much because you want to buy low and sell high. So, and I'm not, I mean, I actually took the advice of sell high. But if, like I said, if you're convinced to stick with your 401k and through retirement, at least when the stock market goes way down, don't sell and buy more if you can. Yeah. So his, his, I don't know if this was his or not, um, our old financial, well, the guy who convinced us to buy stocks. No, I was, I went in there to buy stocks, but, um, but you know, he says when the stock market goes down. I think I think he said this, but you know that's when it's on sale, and that's that's when you want to buy stuff. So when the when the value goes um, way down, I don't remember the, the price that goes down. Yeah, that's when that's the stock market going on sale. Oh yeah, I guess well, there's one other place we have money. Uh, well, I well because we we talk about Prosper and Fundrise a lot, which is outside of IBC, basically where we have all of our money. But I do forget to mention. I have a guess. You do. I do. It's. Do you want me to real, guess? It's a real asset, and it's a hedge against inflation. I'll give the listeners a second to guess. It's no, a. Re- it's a real I asset, was, and it's no, a hedge no, against I'm inflation. No, no, I'm gonna guess. I know. Well, I'm giving them oh. a second too. People like to play along. Oh, okay. Okay. What's, what's your guess? My guess is precious metals. Yeah, you got it. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. What do I win? Uh, Gold. Lunch. Okay. It's on me. Um, so, yeah, we have uh, a while back, we, I think at the time, I think we did tw- uh, 15 or 20% of our net worth at the time. Uh, 10 is the low end and 20 is the high end of what's suggested as a hedge against inflation. So it's not a buy gold and wait for it to go way up, but if there's a crazy downturn or hyperinflation or shit really hits the fan in in the economy 
precious metals are not a bad thing to have um, for transactions and things like that. If our money turns into Venezuelan money, which could happen, uh, people aren't going to want it anymore. You look like you want to say something. Oh, I mean, so I guess you're saying everybody should have like a little treasure chest. <laughs> everybody should is a strong statement. I think it's a it's a place, it's a it's a cornerstone of a sound portfolio. So, okay, no, we have one. We do. Not so you're right. That and was a strong again, statement. Not I'd everybody should, but <laughs> yeah. but we have I would be hard-pressed to find someone I don't think should own any precious metals at all. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I was going to actually bring this up had you not brought this up. Oh, you I were? I was going to ask you if mm. you were going to talk about precious metals because... Yeah. Um, I don't know yeah, if I know enough that's our to third do like a whole episode about it, but um, pre- I, mean, I know enough to buy a safe and put it inside of there. <laughs> yeah. No, we have yeah. well when we bought it at the time, well um metal's gone up since we bought it. I think recently it's gone up quite a bit. And so at the time I think we bought well first we did a self-directed IRA or and not self-directed actually. We switched one of our IRAs to a precious metal IRA, which I highly don't suggest. <laughs> I highly advise against. Okay. Um, because the basically the overhead you pay for using one of those companies, like it's ridiculous. And it would have the amount like so I transferred like six thousand dollars over there and after all the fees and like the transfer rates and everything like that, I think I ended up getting like thirty eight hundred dollars worth of uh, precious metal that I might have been able to buy for $3,000 online or something like that. So basically halved everything I put in there, which sucked. Um, but hey, we're just being honest. Everyone makes mistakes yeah. or, you know, yeah. hindsight. It was a learning curve for yep. us. And I, I had one that kept actual physical, like they kept it in a physical vault and everything like that. And the fees I was going to pay on it were so stupid that like I just decided to cash it out and pay the taxes on it um so we ended up getting we probably have around like fifty five hundred dollars worth of gold and silver um which means we do yeah uh-huh we have over five thousand dollars worth of gold we do it's probably worth and i'm silver? guessing it's more like seven or more now because it's gone up a lot lately um which huh. is good because that's keeping it close to we should really buy more i mean by the end of the year if we get enough money coming in, I should buy more to, because what you should do. Um, so okay, let's say you want to do the low end, ten percent, um, which is just it's basically just a way to protect a portion of your net worth in case uh, dollars and things based in dollar denominated values take a turn for the worse. It basically protects that portion of it because gold can be traded in any currency. So. Um, because it's valuable everywhere. but um, So as your net worth goes up, you should buy more depending on the worth, the value of gold and silver. So if it goes up by 10 tomorrow and it's worth more than me, 
you know, more, worth more than the rest of our assets combined, then that says I should sell off, you know, let's say it's equal. It goes up to equal of the amount of our net worth outside of it. So let's say we're worth $100,000 and it becomes worth $100,000. Then I should sell between 90, 80 and $90,000 worth of it to make it. That's not the right math because that eighty or ninety thousand dollars would then become a part of our um, net worth. But you see what I'm saying? When it go, when the value goes way up, I should be selling it to make sure it's still only ten to twenty percent of our net worth. And when it goes down, I should buy more to make sure it's still ten to twenty percent of our net worth. Which, if you think about it, is still the same thing I was just talking about with the market. Yeah. Sell yep. sell when it's high and buy when it's low, and it just works out if you're trying to maintain that. Let's say every quarter you look and say okay, is this precious metal, let's just say 15% of our net worth. If it is, good. If it's lower, buy more. If it's higher, sell some. And that's what you should be, I mean, if, if you buy into what I'm saying as far as keeping precious metal as a part of your portfolio. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, 15% is pretty s- standard. I think a lot of people say that if that's something you're interested in. Nice. Were there other things? Or was that kind of the, the three... The three yeah, main ones. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, a big, I just a real a big takeaway for me is of having IBC rather than money in the stock market is just peace of mind. Like, I remember in 2008 I worked at a coffee shop, and this guy, this banker, he came in at the end of every day, and he was like, "Tell me how he lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in the stock market and stuff like." of his retirement and I was just like sucks to be you dude <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm in a coffee shop but right at least yeah no. I'm making minimum wage plus tips but uh, you know but I don't know so we'll never maybe we'll go through that if we get back in the stock market who knows but not if we do the type of uh, annuities and the, the methods I'm talking about getting back in I don't know anything else um the only thing that I was thinking of is that it can be a little scary to do this more non-traditional route because even when we talk to people, mm-hmm. it's like it seems almost very faux pas, like not to have a 401k or yeah. like that's pretty standard in at least our world yeah. and our peers to have some kind of like account set up like that. Mm-hmm. So although this does take a bit more of a learning curve and you have to be a bit more active um, I think it's been really relatively smooth and user friendly. The hardest part, yeah. I think, is just transferring the stuff. Like, oh, yeah. being like, the hardest I, part is getting your money out. Canceling it, yeah. Awful government agencies. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's like, it's kind of, that's the most painful part. If mm-hmm. you do want to pursue this, it's, you know, making the phone calls, being on hold. Tr- you know, you, maybe you'll get a lecture about, like, you know, you may not want to do this. Yeah, kind of a thing. Yep. Um, so kind of just getting over that, the that's no fun. Yeah. But like otherwise, it's the, it seems like the sites are really user friendly. I feel like we're yeah. really confident in what we do. I mean, you're the one that does it the most, but like so mm-hmm. you can talk about it yeah. better. And like I feel like you have your, um, what is it, thumb on the pulse of it mm, versus okay, yeah. when it was floating around in the thrift savings plan or 401ks or IRAs, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't really know and understand what that is. And Right. I mean, I guess you can. Not real. It, yeah. But we're just, with what we've learned, that's just not 
where we want our money. Um, right. So yeah, if, if you want to put the effort in, there will be some effort, but I think afterwards it's been such a huge relief. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I guess one other thing I would add is if you're bold enough to talk to people about it, they're going to think you're stupid or crazy. Yeah, so you might you might get that, yeah. Yeah. But I think I, I'm pretty again, sure I if, could. If you're putting the work in, though, I feel like you talk about it intelligently enough that anyone who questions that, like especially if it's a friend or something, like yeah. if they're willing to listen to you talk about why, it makes sense. It's not. Yeah. It's not really crazy, but they if go. It's, yeah, they go from thinking I'm stupid or crazy to being like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you you might get that for sure from friends parents questioning yeah. it because it's a different way right um this is what i always think yeah about i'm just like i don't know if i'm not a like if i'm not like i i'm not trying to sell people necessarily but i'm trying i do want to convince them somewhat because i think everybody should do it but uh i don't know like i feel like in five years people are gonna be like what are you doing and i'm like the stuff i told you (laughs) you know what i mean yeah no i do but you want to help you're i mean and i think that's just like the different books you've read and other people's podcasts you listen to it's the same thing but you so you've bought in to that yeah um i listened to the people in the room that were smarter than me yeah now i'm smarter than everyone else and they need to listen (laughs) to me (laughs) wow sounds like a good place to end yeah <laughs> it had to be said. No, All I'm just right. Kidding. I'm kidding. So, <laughs> good talk. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll Until next time. Yep. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Bye. Thanks for listening to When Can I Quit My Job? Please remember to support the show by visiting WhenCanIQuitMyJobShow.com and clicking the Patreon and Amazon links. Also, subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tell your friends about us. Liz and Noah are not financial or legal advisors, and all information given on this podcast should be consumed for entertainment purposes only.